Converge Church, come on, everybody up on your feet. We're going to go before the Lord and worship today. Come on, put your hands together. Here we go. We love to call your name. It's something we cannot explain. That happens when we proclaim your great name, your great name.
cannot remain the same. When we begin to apply the name of Jesus to our many different situations and circumstances, when we begin to worship and magnify the name of the Lord, how many know that things have to change? Thank you. 
much as if you know that we serve a God that is worthy of all of the glory. He's a good God. He's worthy of all of the honor. Oh, God, we lift our hands to you this morning as a sign of surrendering everything to you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord.
Well, we just offer that up to you, Lord. All our lives, you have been faithful. Even when we were faithless, your word says that you are faithful to us all of our lives, whether we have recognized it or not. Right now, in this moment, we declare unto you all of our lives, you have been faithful, faithful, faithful. And we say thank you, oh God. We ask that you just receive our worship. You receive our pouring out in this season of thanksgiving, Lord, that we pour out our worship right now. And Lord, for those of us who just barely made it in the building, when it just seems like the bottom is falling out and the words are difficult to sing all of our life, you have been faithful. We choose right now in this moment to say, yet will we trust you. So Lord, as we get ready to just continue on in worship, Lord, I stand in the gap for that one, that two, those five, that this season is just difficult. It's just difficult. It's just difficult. Oh, but God, you are near to the brokenhearted, and you are in this place to heal. So we ask that you just allow your Holy Spirit to rest. Just sit with us a while. Change our hearts. Change our perspective because you love us, because you are good. Lord, your word says in Zephaniah 3.17 that the Lord our God is in our midst, mighty to save, mighty 
need to deliver, mean you will snatch us out of that situation, that you rejoice over us with singing, and that you, oh God, would quiet us with your love. So we ask for that right now. And we thank you in advance that as we leave the doors of this building, we will be more confident than ever before that your goodness will abound toward us to overtake us and we will sing with new zeal your goodness your goodness your goodness your goodness your mercy your healing your deliverance it runs after us it runs after us it chases us down it overtakes us so we can lift our hands and say oh come see about a man that is just so so good we commit this service to you oh god we ask you to have your way. It is in the precious name of Jesus that we pray and we thank you in advance. Amen and amen. Well, we welcome everybody. We're going to have Andrea come on. You may be seated and enjoy the rest of service. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sunday after Thanksgiving. Do you guys like our... Christmas decor. We are moving into the reason for the season, so we are excited. Amen. It is so good to see you guys here, and I just want to come before you for a few minutes and thank you for choosing to spend a part of your worship day, your day of worship with us here at Converge. If this is your first time with us, thank you again. We, um, we ask that you, if you are here for the first time, to stop by the Welcome Center and connect with our pastors at the end of the worship service. We just want to greet you. We want to hug your neck and thank you for choosing to spend the day with us. And we have a small gift for you. It's just our way of saying thank you so much for choosing to be here. Amen. Amen. So we have a few things that we want to make you guys aware of that we have going on here at Converge. The first thing is that the best way for you guys to stay connected with us really is to follow us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge, and you can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. So go on over, like those pages, connect with us in our social media sphere so that you guys can just stay in the loop, and that's another way for you to be connected with us. We also want to share with you a few things that we have going on here at Converge. The first thing is that here today at 5 p.m. is going to be our first ever tree lighting ceremony at Converge Church. Yes, we are super excited about that. We are going to have free family pics with Santa. So if you have little ones or even if you don't have little ones, come out. We're going to have Christmas carols. This is going to be a fun, festive, family-friendly event, and we would love to see all of you guys there this evening at 5 p.m. for our tree lighting ceremony. We also want to share with you that we are in the midst of our winter clothing drive for our brothers and sisters right here in McKinney who are experiencing homelessness. It started last Sunday, but every Sunday through December 18th, if you have any clothing, not just winter clothing, but any clothing that you want to donate, please stop by here. We will be collecting the clothing on Sunday mornings before and after our worship service. We have some bins, some receptacles in the lobby. Just drop them in there and help us be a blessing to those in our community. Amen? Amen. We also want to make you aware that um, we are going to be partnering with Above All Things um, for our Christmas outreach. So we're going to be doing a Christmas giveaway. 
It's going to be on Saturday, December 17th. Mark your calendars. We will have more information, more details coming around the timing and such, but we want you guys to participate with us in that outreach um, and just be a blessing again to those here in the local community. That is what we have been called to. And then last but never least, I want to make you guys aware that today is fourth Sunday, so our students are meeting right now over in the rail. Our converged students, mid-high, mid-middle school to high school, are meeting. They meet every second and fourth Sunday. If you have a student in that sixth grade to twelfth grade range, we want you to get them plugged in with our student leadership team. So head on over to the rail. They are meeting right now, and you will not be disappointed. Amen? I'm going to ask Pastor Jesse to join us, and he is going to take you all through the Blessed Life segment. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see you today. God is good. He's worthy. Raise your hand if he's worthy. Give me a smile if he's worthy. Let your heart say he's worthy. Thank you so much for coming. We're excited that you're here with us, especially during the time when we can get the opportunity to continue to give God all that we have. The Bible teaches us we are to honor God with everything. So let us honor God today with everything that we have, not just our, our lives and not just our words, but let us honor him with our giving this morning. The Bible teaches us we're to be happy about giving. Are you happy? Somebody say, I'm happy. Oh, come on, say, I'm happy. I almost start singing that song like Pastor Ray. But, anyway, but just say, I'm happy. And why are we happy? We're happy because we get the opportunity to give unto the Lord. We get the opportunity to give and to bring our first fruits unto him, to be happy about it, to be cheerful about it. And so we're thankful that we get to worship God. It's just not about an action. It's about a worship. We get to worship God with the giving of our tithes and with our offerings. And so we thank you for that. If you need an envelope, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you use an envelope, please fill it out in its entirety. Please make sure that it is legible as well. All right. You can also give online. You can also give by downloading our app and you can click on the give icon. You can also give in by texting 77977 and the dollar amount. You can give that way. And you can give, of course, by Zelle and through Cash App. So we have multiple ways that you can give and have the opportunity to worship God through your giving. Well, Let's just think about the Lord for a moment. Let's just think about how good he's been to you. Has he been good to you? And here's an opportunity that you just get to express how good he's been to you. Not just with our words, but through our giving. Think about when the Christmas season, this is when God gave his son Jesus, came into the earth. We celebrate these days as that giving that gift that we receive from God we're worshiping right now just a moment of as we just sit here in silence and quiet we're worshiping the Lord think about him how good he's been to you oh my God let him touch you right now touch our hearts oh Lord as we give today. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name for all that you've done for us. God, you blessed us. We 
thank you this morning, God, for life and health and for strength. And as the old saints used to say, for being in our right mind. God, we thank you. And we're asking you, God, to bless what we give today. God, we give out of the cheerfulness of our hearts. God, that we may be a blessing. God, that we might be a support to the kingdom of God, to the program of God in this earth. God, you gave us this plan. You gave us this giving program. And so, God, we obey by giving and we give cheerfully. Bless it, almighty God, for the multiplying. God, for the blessing, for the increase in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, you may. Well, good morning, Converge Nation. Let me try that one more time. Good morning, Converge Nation. Amen. We're so glad that you've joined us for our Sunday morning worship experience. We like to call it Converge Live. For those of you joining us virtually online, we'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. We trust that something we have already said, something we've already done this morning, uh, has ministered to you. But we trust that God will continue uh, to minister to your hearts uh, this morning as we look to his word together. This morning we launch a brand new sermon series that we're calling Christmas Stories. Amen. Uh, we, Pastor Wendy and I, we love Christmas and uh, we love celebrating a Christmas. And, and the real meaning, the true meaning of Christmas we get to celebrate together. And Jesus is the ultimate reason for the season. So everything you see here, man, we do for an audience of one as we celebrate the most important moment in all of human history, the advent of our Lord and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Amen? You missed a good opportunity to get excited right there. The advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, I want to acknowledge some very special people who are here uh, this morning visiting all the way from Oklahoma. Chris, I see your mom is here. Why don't you stand and, and let's love on. Is it Miss Jenny? Judy, Miss Judy, thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's an honor, and it's so good to see you. It's been a while. And then I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge another very spe special family that's here with us. Uh, there are no strangers uh, to Converge Church. Uh, but uh, this week we suffered a tremendous, a tremendous loss. You guys know that we have been praying uh, for the Segovia family. Uh, in fact, in particular, uh, Brenda Segovia. Uh, Brenda transitioned on Friday. And, uh, and her family's here this morning. One of the things that was important to uh, Brenda, extremely important to Brenda, was, was family. 
but their family time during Christmas. And even though they're going through this period of mourning and loss, they're only 48 hours in. One of the things that they, they decided was that one of the ways they could honor her memory was to be in church, not only this morning, but to be with us this evening for our Christmas tree lighting. So Alex, Jessica, Nabil, Jesse, the entire family. Uh, say again. I'm sorry, Mark. We're so sorry for your loss. And the scripture teaches us, in fact, instructs us to bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. So we stand with you in your loss. Our prayers are with you. Uh, one of the things that Brenda was very specific about was that she wanted me to uh, officiate uh, her uh, funeral. And, uh, and so on December 9th and December 10th, we'll be celebrating uh, a life well lived. Uh, it has been said, amen, that what we do on earth echoes in eternity. That what we do while we live here on earth not only impacts and influences people that we touch here, but what we do on earth precedes us into heaven. And I have every confidence that when Brenda came face to face with her Savior Jesus, the first two words she heard were, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's just pray for, for, for the family now. Baby, why don't you come and join me? Father, we love you, we honor you, and we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your great love wherewith you've loved us. God, there are certain things that we will never fully grasp, never fully understand or comprehend on this side of eternity. What we do know, what we do know is that you are a good, good father, and all your ways are perfect. And all your ways are just, even when we don't understand them. And God, even though the pain is very real, your word also says that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Because this is the hope and the confidence that we do have. Because of what you have said. Not because of what we don't know, but because of what you have already said. That to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so that's our confidence this morning. Father, would you minister peace? Would you multiply grace to Alex and to, to Jessica, to Nabil and to Jesse and to Mark, to their entire family, both immediate and extended, their loved ones, their friends, to her parents, Father, would you minister now? Would you mend the brokenhearted as only you can? And as a body of believers, God, would you also move us to love them and to stand with them and to mourn with those who mourn? And we thank you that your promise is that they shall be comforted. We trust you to do that now. And in the days and the weeks and the months to come, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We love you guys. All righty. Pastor Wendy.
Uh, this is one of my favorite things to do, to tag team the Word of God with you. I'm going to be on my best behavior today. If you've been around for uh, any amount of time and you've ever seen us tag team our relationship series or even the Christmas series, you know I can, I can get out of line. But I'm going to be on my best behavior today in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody else ready to dive into the Word? All right, I'm ready. All right, Pastor Wendy, why don't you greet the people and then we will unpack what the Lord has entrusted to us this morning for our amazing church family. You were Aaron. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it is a blessing to be here with you. You know, there is only one reason I would miss Children's Church, and it is by Pastor Ray's request. And so I am excited um, today. When the Lord gave Pastor Ray this series, um, we didn't know that we would be in the season that we're in in the church, especially with the loss of Miss Brenda. And so we're going to start off today uh, as we're in, in full holiday season you know it's just everything is just full throttle right now and uh, this can be a very difficult season for people mm -hmm. and so one thing we're going to tackle as we are kicking off the holiday season is the disappointments of life mm -hmm. and what we want you to get out of this message is it is a message of hope as we celebrate Christmas and the coming of Jesus that is such a hopeful message for us. Mm. But you know what? Our life circumstances can choke that hope out. Mm. And so what we want to do uh, by the grace of the Holy Spirit is just start a little spark in you yeah. that uh, life can be disappointing. Um, it can be filled with, with wonder. As pastors, we know the word. We trust God. Uh, and in speaking of, uh, of, of Brenda, I was doing the dishes Thanksgiving, and I thought, we made it through Thanksgiving. She's still here because we were believing for that Christmas miracle. Yeah. And Jessica texts and called on, on Friday, and I, I had left my phone upstairs, and I missed the text and the call. And to get that call, there is a sense of, God, we were believing we were praying, we were laying hands, we were fasting. And so even with all of the lights and, and the snow and the flocking and all of that, there is still an opportunity for all of us, no matter where we are in our lives, to just reignite this hope we have in Jesus. Amen. And how do we find that hope when life is just buffeting you? When you are just getting blow after blow, disappointment after disappointment, and sometimes it's our choices, and a lot of times it's because of other people's choices. And so we just want to ignite some hope in you, and we're going to talk about a few things, but I give you freedom, my king, to preach right on out. Y'all heard her say time. out loud. Yes. I like the last part where you said, I give you permission. What you call me? I said, freedom, my king. Not permission. I'll I give you freedom. <laughs> but freedom and permission are first cousins. So our first cousins, right. Freedom right, right, and right. permission. Because he's so excited I to am. put your business in the street. So three months ago, he said, I'm letting you preach all of December. And so I said, but I've got children's church. But see, I know y'all pastor. So I'm not even going to argue <laughs> with him in the kitchen <laughs> and make my sweet potato pies bitter. I 
just said, okay. <laughs> so this week he said, all right, you got it this week. I said, yes, sir. Wednesday he was like, uh, why don't I just, uh, w you, do you think maybe I should just go ahead? Because you're just so busy and, you know, I want you, you're working <laughs> and I want you to get <laughs> some rest. You, you think you just, you know, I got it. And I said, baby, you can have it. Then he mm. comes back on Thursday morning and said, well, I think we should tag team. And then, and I said, okay, why don't you just preach by yourself? Because you, it's just in you. It's just burning the bottom of your feet. He's like, no, no, no. I like for <laughs> us to preach together. I was like, no, I, I don't do. even have to preach. I've got a spot. It's called Children's Church, the Red Room. It's my spot. I'm like the worship leader. I'm the pastor. I'm the deaconess and the prophet and the storyteller. I'm full. <laughs> so then he was like, no, no, no. You know, I like us to preach together. I do. And then I, really do. I said, okay. And so I did not make my sweet potato pies bitter because I did not argue with y'all, Pastor. And you see, he won, and I am here. I prevailed. Amen? In Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to dive into the word, and I want to pick up where Pastor Wendy left off. Uh, today is actually the beginning of Advent. Uh, and and uh, in most traditional churches that celebrate Advent, we're, we're not necessarily traditional, but we do believe that traditions matter. How many realize that just because it's new doesn't mean it's necessary? And just because it's old, that doesn't mean it's obsolete. Traditions still matter. So I grew up Episcopalian. And growing up Episcopalian, we would celebrate Advent. And Advent always starts four Sundays before Christmas. There are four major themes during the season of Advent. And those themes help us count down to Christmas. They help us center our lives, reorient our lives, and our focus around Jesus, especially in a culture that has become increasingly commercialized. Listen, some of y'all had Michael Bublé on Thaw uh, uh, back in September. Y'all had him on Defrost. Oh, man, my punchline, did, I didn't deliver. The timing of that was bad. Y'all just staring back at me like, who Michael Bublé? What I was trying to infer was that some of y'all had y'all Christmas decorations and were getting ready for Christmas back in September. And it had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Uh, but with the series and with the season of Advent, what we want to do, is reorient our hearts and our minds around the reason for the season, and that's Jesus. And Jesus ought to be at the center of it all. So there are four themes as we count down to Christmas that help us refocus our hearts and our minds around our Savior Jesus. Four themes, hope, joy, Love and peace. In no particular order. But Advent allows us to focus on the hope of Christmas. Advent allows us to focus on the joy of Christmas. Advent allows us to focus on the peace and also the love of Christmas. Today we want to focus on one of those themes, and Pastor Wendy alluded to it already. And the, the theme we want to focus on this morning as we look to God's word together and as we examine the Christmas story is the theme of hope. Hope. 
In fact, our anchor text this morning is lifted from Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. And y'all forgive me, uh, those of you on our leadership team, and, and Pastor Wendy knows this, I think better on my feet. So I'm sitting in this comfortable chair, but if I'm going to deliver this message like I want to, I may have to get up on my feet. Is that all right? Our anchor text this morning is lifted from Proverbs chapter number 13. Oh, y'all laughing like y'all thought I wasn't going to get up. No, I was for real. I was serious. I'm going to sit back down here in a little bit. But our anchor text is Proverbs chapter 13. I'm going to read it to you from three translations. Y'all ready? Three translations. Y'all listen to me. Ah, Pastor Wendy already told me to put away all these skinny jeans. These jeans so tight, man, when I got them. I, <laughs> I can feel them climbing up my calf. I should probably sit down. That'll be better. The hope of new Levi's. Yes, the hope the of hope. new Levi's. I'm going to add some new jeans to my, my wish list for Christmas. See, this is. Not skinny. Straight legs. what happens when you don't listen to the wisdom. I don't listen to the wisdom. I'm sorry, baby. Oh. Last time. Y'all know how when y'all throw mm -hmm. yourself in the dryer, it, it kind of shrink on you? Yeah, these came straight out the dryer. <laughs> and my circulation feel like it's about to be cut off in my legs. Come on back home, Pastor Ray. All right. What were we talking about? Proverbs 13, verse number 12. Here it is. Notice what Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Think about that for a second. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. We're going to examine that verse again from two other verses, the message paraphrase and then the passion translation, and it will help us understand what Solomon is communicating in this verse. Hope deferred. Hope delayed. When we have hope and an expectation of certain things that don't necessarily happen when we want them to happen. Or the way we want those things to happen. The scripture says it makes the heart sick. Yet, there is this message of hope that is inherent and intrinsic to the story of Christmas, the hope that we find in Jesus. Notice the message paraphrase. It says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. How many of you realize that just as quickly as things went from good to bad, they can go from bad to good? A sudden good break can turn your life around. In spite of life's unrelenting disappointments, God can turn it around. Because one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. Are you all with me? God wants to minister hope to our hearts this morning, and we will get there, here sh get there shortly. I love the, tr uh, the Passion Translation. It says, when hope's dreams seems to drag on and on, the delay can be what? Depressing. 
Come on, I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life, a season in your life, when it seems like your life was on hold. When it seemed like your dream was on hold. Everything you prayed and asked God for was on an indefinite hold. This is one of the discoveries I've made in life. When it seems like God has put you on hold, baby, don't hang up. Listen, I'm from Liberia and we're notorious for being on a phone call and taking multiple calls. So when somebody calls you and says, hey man, hold on, let me take this other call. And sometimes that other person can be on hold, man. Five, six, seven minutes. And guess what? When you come back, guess what? They're still there. I don't know why we're like that. But that's just what we do. Now, for most of us, somebody put you on hold for 30, 45 seconds, I'll call them back. Or they're going to call me back. And how many times are we like that with God? When it seems like hope's dream is dragging on and on, taking longer than I expected, taking longer than I planned. What, said, what Solomon says is sometimes when life puts us on hold, it can be depressing. But it says, but when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Uh, this morning I want to talk about hope. Because it's possible for a person to live three to seven days without water. It's possible for them to live up to two weeks without food. It is impossible for you to live one day without hope. The thing that sustains you and takes you from this day to the next day is an inherent hope that God will bring your hopes, your dreams, and your plans, and your desires to pass. And the people who give up, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, because those feelings are very real. The feelings are very real when someone says, it's better for me to throw in the towel than to keep living one more day. It's because of hope that has been deferred. It is the delays and the denials that overtake us and overcome us that steal our hope. You know why? Because hope is simply defined as a joyful, confident expectation. Joyful, confident expectation. And when I have this joyful, confident expectation in my experiences, I'm talking about the things I'm living through and walking through, look nothing like what I expected. Are you understanding what I'm saying? They look nothing like what I expected. The scripture says it makes the heart sick. That word translated in, in Hebrew the word translated sick in the original Hebrew means to become weary. 
Sometimes it's just because people are exhausted. Got nothing left to give. Ain't got one more prayer. In fact, I don't really feel like getting out of bed. Because I didn't expect this thing to be a marathon. But here's the second meaning for that word in the Hebrew. It doesn't only mean to become weary, but it also means to wound. Life's delays and life's denials sometimes have a way, man, of wounding us on the inside. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So the title of today's message is simply this, It's a Wonderful Life. True confession, uh, I've lived in the States since uh, December of 1993. And every single year at Christmas time, I'll be walking through the house and the TV would be on. And there'll be this movie in black and white that would be on every Christmas, every day, seemed like 24 hours a day. And I had never stopped long enough to watch it. Until last Christmas. So I'm sitting in the living room. And this movie comes on, and thankfully, it starts at the very beginning when I'm in the living room. Because every other time, it was somewhere in the middle of the movie, and I was like, I ain't going to watch this. So here I am sitting there, and God just started to speak to me so powerfully from that movie. I'm going to share a few thoughts, not just from the movie, but also from God's word. That will help us recognize that even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, your life matters. In fact, that is the quintessential question that every human being, no matter who you are, whether you're up and out or down and out, we will all wrestle with that question, do I matter? At some point in your life, you're going to ask yourself that question, am I making a difference? I wake up, I go to work, I come home, I go to bed, and then repeat. And there is something in us that causes us to ask the question, does my life really count? And when we're introduced to George Bailey at the beginning of the movie, and again, I want to be extremely sensitive for, for those who have wrestled with this and for those who have loved ones who have wrestled with this. He has come to a point of hopelessness where he said, I've wasted my whole life. And he goes to a bridge. Because he has lost hope that his life matters. Let me just say this. There are conversations happening about you in heaven that you don't even know are happening right now. And so while, while George is about to take matters into his own hands, there are conversations happening to intervene. And so there's Clarence, the angel, who was dispatched, not just to save George's life, 
but to help George see what life would have been like had it not been for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? George says, my life doesn't matter. And God has to send angelic intervention to tell him, no, if it hadn't been for you, this is what life would have looked like. So let me just talk about George's story and hope deferred quickly. For anyone who's ever asked that question, am I just wasting my life? Do I matter? Why continue dreaming when it's taking this long? In fact, that's one of the reasons we say it here at Converge, and we, don't, we haven't only said it once. We say it over and over and over and over again, and it's simply this, that the fulfillment of the promise may not be immediate, but it is inevitable. I'll say that again. If God gave you a promise, it may not happen immediately. It may not happen overnight. But it is inevitable. And the fuel that will keep you going is this thing called hope, a joyful, confident expectation that God will do what he promised. And just because it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean that it won't. Y'all hear what I say? Just because it hasn't happened yet, if God promised, that doesn't mean it won't. So what do I do while I wait? So, 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 so here it is. Listen, y'all, it's Christmas Eve of 1945. In a tiny, tiny uh, a town called Bedford Falls, New York, and, and George Bailey contemplates taking matters into his own hands. The prayers of his family and friends reach heaven, where his guardian angel, second class, Clarence Oddbody, is assigned to save George in order for him to earn his wings. Clarence is shown flashbacks of George's life. In fact, the conversation that the angels are having is, is, listen, before you go save George, you probably should get to know George. So the angels are telling Clarence about George's life, heaven's perspective of your life. From your vantage point, you're asking the question, am I making a difference? And heaven is saying, listen, J Clarence, before you go down and save this guy, let me bring you up to speed on how valuable his life has always been. He doesn't see it. He doesn't recognize it. But all of heaven can testify to how he has influenced and impacted countless lives. Okay. Uh, so here it is. They're recounting George's influence and impact. Uh, so they, they roll this back, the flashback, and the first thing they show Clarence is when 12-year-old George rescues his younger brother Harry from drowning. But in rescuing his younger brother, 
he gets an infection, and he's left deaf in one ear. Have you ever wondered to yourself, I do all this good with my life, and as I do good, it seems like I get bad in return? I think I'm preaching to the wrong church this morning. He jumped in to save his brother. And his reward for that is being deaf the rest of his life in one ear. Not only that, this is the same 12-year-old George. Uh, uh, he prevents Mr. Gower, who was the pharmacist, from poisoning the prescription because Mr. Gower was overtaken by grief because he had just gotten the telegram that his son had died. And when Mr. Gower gave, gives him the prescription to take to the lady across the street, George Bailey noticed that instead of pills, Mr. Gower had inadvertently given poison. So George doesn't only save his brother's life, now he saved another lady's life at the age of 12. But George is convinced that his life doesn't count. And heaven is testifying, wow, this guy can't see how many people he's impacted. But Clarence, I'm going to send you to help him see it. So here it is. George is now an adult, and he says, you know what? My dream is to travel the world. I'm going to see the world. And he saves up all his money. But before he can save his, uh, before he can take this trip, his dad dies. And when his dad dies, before his dad dies, his wish, his dad's wish is that he will take over the savings and loan, the, 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 the sort of bank that, is, that he has, right? So long story short, the, he wants to go travel the world, but the board says there's this guy named Mr. Potter who's going to take over this bank, and the only thing that's going to save this bank is if you become president of this bank. So guess what George does? He puts his life on hold so that he can live out his father's dream. Not only that, the money that he was going to have for his trip, he gives to his younger brother Harry so Harry can go to college. And they make an agreement that when you graduate from college, you're going to come back and take over this business because my dream is to travel the world. I don't want to be a banker. So his brother Harry says, okay, got you. I'll do that. Except when Harry goes off to college and graduates from college, he comes back with a wife. He doesn't only come back with a wife, but he comes back with an offer from his father-in-law to take a lucrative position in the company. And guess what? Now, George is out of the money he gave his brother, and he's stuck in a place that he doesn't want to be. His dreams have been put on hold, and he is serving everybody else while he's waiting for his dream to come to pass. There are so many things that happen in the story. One disappointment after the next. In fact, his friend Sam Wainwright was about to start a company, and he was starting a company in plastic. And he calls George, and he said, hey, George, you need to get in on the bottom level. Give me all the money you have. Let's invest it in plastics. And, man, this thing is going to blow up. And George says no because he wants to use this money to go on a honeymoon. And guess what? 
His friend Sam Wainwright becomes filthy rich. So George is looking at his life. He's considering missed opportunities. He's looking at his life and he is stuck in Bedford Falls doing something he absolutely resents. And listen to me, time isn't on his side. So the story fast forwards to this point of his life where it's Christmas Eve. He's about to lose his house. He's about to lose everything and he looks at his life and he says, you know what? I'm better off not being here. Because he's given his whole life in service to others. And none of his dreams have come true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. On that night as his family is praying, word gets out that he's about to lose his home. And the entire town of Bedford Falls show up. And as they show up, he's reminded of how he impacted every single one of those people's lives. You see the problem sometimes with us? We are so fixated with what's next that we become frustrated with now. No, no, y'all not listening to me. We can't see what God is doing in us and what God is doing through us now because we're so distracted by what we want God to do next. And what if God's plan and God's purpose for you is not for you to travel the world, but for you to change the world that he's given you right here? In fact, the angels show, uh, or Clarence eventually shows George what Bedford Falls would have looked like if he hadn't lived. And it was a cesspool overtaken by Mr. Potter. It was no longer called Bedford Falls. It was called Pottersville. And the only thing, the only thing that kept Bedford Falls from becoming Pottersville was a guy named George Bailey who was disgruntled with his life. But he couldn't even see, he couldn't even see the impact that God had made in him and through him because he was constantly looking for what was next, that he became frustrated with now. You say, Pastor Ray, why are you telling that story? I'm telling that story simply because you matter more than you realize. Right where you are right now. Your life is not going to be significant when you're, only when your dreams are fulfilled. Because that's the part I want to talk about now. Because the greatest value you and I will ever have, listen to me, is being right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. And may I submit to you that sometimes the will of God for your life looks absolutely nothing like your dreams. Sometimes the will of God looks like Bedford Falls when your dream has been to travel the world. 
Yet God says the greatest value you will ever have to me or my kingdom is not living out your dream, but living out my dream for you. And the frustration we experience in life is that we try to trade God's dream for ours. Yet God is in heaven saying, you don't realize that right where you are, you're doing exactly what I called and created you. Listen to me, not everybody in this room is going to be a CEO. Not everybody in this room is going to be the next social media influencer. Some people in this room have the greatest value to God. Simply parenting your children well. That's why Abraham Lincoln said, everything I am, everything I have become, I owe to my dear mother. The reason we have Abraham Lincoln is because he had a good mom. And her purpose in life was not necessarily to change the world on her own, but to change the world by pouring into her son. For those of us who are disgruntled with now, and I see this during the pandemic, the people come on and they'll do their clips, and if you don't come out of this pandemic with a business, with a this thing, with a this thing, no, it ain't for everybody. Because the problem is you begin to measure your life against somebody else's success when that is not God's lane for you. And we had a whole lot of people going through life like George Bailey saying, I wasted my life when heaven says you saved an entire community. You held the line. I'm talking about at Christmas. This is a Christmas message because I'm going to show you in Scripture. Being willing to exchange your dream for God's dream. Even Jesus, who submitted himself to the Father's will from the very beginning, had a moment in Gethsemane. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? He travailed in prayer until he sweat drops of blood and said, listen, Lord, if it's possible, if there's another way, come on, I'm open to that. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I want, not my will, but your will be done. If it means I spend all of my life in Bedford Falls. And listen, y'all realize, how many of you have seen the movie? Few of you. Y'all realize that George Bailey never left Bedford Falls? His brother that he sent to college, who got married, who got a great job in his father-in-law's business, Ended up going to war, became a fighter pilot, received a hero's welcome, medal of honor. And he was stuck doing work that he hated. Hope deferred. 
makes the heart sick. Everybody else getting their dream. And I'm stuck in this thing. Okay. Just in case you think this message is only by George Wallace. George Wallace. George Bailey. George Wallace. It's the cutoff circulation. From the <laughs> That's what it is, baby. Your, your boy kind of dizzy. <laughs> it's big facts, baby. It's rough up here. I played it off, but. So <laughs> what was I talking about? George. This is about more than George Bailey. Are you with me? Can I show you in scripture? This is the Christmas story. Y'all ready for Fast and Furious? Here it is. <coughs> Here it is. Can you give me my notes on the front row there, uh, Kendra? I think I, no, did I, I thought I had them in my Bible. No, <laughs> I left them somewhere. Okay, no, I, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know what happened to them. I'm kind of old school. I've dabbled with the iPad and Surface, and I just like paper, so. So where are we? Okay. We're going to learn three quick life lessons. Y'all ready for this? From Joseph, from Mary, and from George Bailey. Let, let, let's read the story. Uh, baby, before you, before you jump in, yeah, I'm yeah. going to double dutch in right quick. Um, this is a yeah, teacher down, in me. Mm -hmm. I want you to consider what if you are the gift? Yeah, good. What if you are, you are the gift? Ephesians 2.10 says this, mm. <coughs> and I didn't put this in our notes, but if you all, if you can get it up, that's fine. If not, but Ephesians 2.10 says out of the New King James Version, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand mm. that we should walk in. And one translation mm. says, which God prepared in advance yeah. for us to do. We mm. are God's workmanship. That means mm. that we are created by yeah. God's hand mm. for good works. So I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Mm. And I want you to ask yourself, repeat after me just where you are. Mm. What if I what if I am the gift? Am the gift. And the whole time, Pastor Ray, you can open your eyes is up here. Is Tammy pleasant here? Tammy, if you're here, wave your hand. Okay, Tammy is in the back. I didn't get your permission, but since you shared it publicly, I'm just gonna use a snippet of your testimony. Tammy has an awesome testimony. She is a widow. Her second husband was, I mean, it was almost as if for her life, he had just dropped out of the sky. I mean, had a great relationship with her children. She was a single mom of two children at, the, at that time. They had a wonderful, wonderful life. And five years into the marriage, he gets cancer. After six years of being married, and if I have the time frame wrong, you can stand up and shout to me, Tammy, he's gone. Can you imagine, this is a, her father is a pastor. This is a, 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 a church girl. 
So she's dealt with disappointment having been, you know, married before. And then you get your dream guy, and he is everything wonderful. And in six years, gone. As a Christ follower, you could be like, you know what, God, what's up with this thing? I mean, like, really? Really? Mm. And when... Tammy, probably three years ago, she gave the testimony. She's our women's ministry director. She gave her testimony to the women's ministry. And before she gave the testimony, we had met and talked about it. And she said, uh, my husband told me that I was his gift from God. Amen. Amen. She said, my husband told me that God had promised him that his latter days mm. would be greater than his former. Amen. That thing, I mean, I almost stood straight up. We were in, I remember when you told me your testimony, we were at Jaeger offices, sitting out, just the two of us at a white table. And she said, I was his gift. Mm. So even though I mourn and I miss him, mm. that's what she hold, he, has held on to all these years. Mm is that, yes, did she lose something very valuable, and she still misses him. But, oh, can you imagine yeah, yeah. you being the gift? So good. And guess what? According to this word, you are. Yes, Lord. And so when life seems like the bottom is falling out and you can't see what is going on around you and circumstances are very unfair, and you question God, it is not scriptural that you can't question God. You can question God. The prophet Jeremiah asked God in Jeremiah 15, will you be as unreliable to me as a brook that fails? Mm. The, the prophet asked God a question. And so God's shoulders, are, he is not intimidated. I know sometimes we mean well and we teach that you can't ask God questions. Yeah, you can ask God Absolutely. questions. Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have, why have you forsaken me? I guess that wasn't a question. It was a statement. He said, why? Well, he, why is a question. Okay, come back, teacher. It's, <laughs> it's a question. So God can handle questions. Yes, but I can. want it out of all that uh, pastor is teaching him from the word, if the only nugget that you can take home today, I want you to take that nugget home. Yeah. I am the gift. It's good. And here's the word that you can stand on Ephesians 2:10 that you were created in Very Christ good. Jesus for good works yeah. which were prepared in advance for you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's one pastor who says it this way uh, to to uh, affirm and reiterate what you just said. He said everything God created, he created to be a solution to a problem. That means when God created you he had a problem on earth in mind that he created you to solve. Listen to me. You are the gift. You are God's gift. And you are God's answer to a problem and a need that exists in the world right now. George Bailey was. And he didn't realize it. Because he wanted to travel. But George Bailey's purpose in life was to save Bedford Forest. Talk about two young people that we read about every Christmas 
who are God's gift to this world. Uh, not just their generation, but to every generation that follows. A young man, a young woman named Joseph and Mary. I'm talking about hope deferred. So, so in Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph before they came together, meaning physically, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Talk about hope deferred. Listen to me. Mary had already said yes to the dress. Man, my punchlines ain't dropping today, Brooks. I'm like, what's going on, man? They are? Man. Thank you, Rob. No, no, they were engaged to be married. They had already picked out rings. They had already picked out the venue. Already knew where they were going to go on their honeymoon. And all of a sudden, Mary shows up and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Talk about hope deferred. And then she proceeds to tell him this incredible story that it was supernatural. And that God had something to do with this. Notice what the scripture says. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph said, there ain't no future with us. The plans that we had, oh, they end right here. In a culture where he would have been justified to make a public spectacle of her. In a culture where women had absolutely no rights. But because Joseph was a just man, he said, I'm going to keep this thing quiet. I'm going to go my way. All the dreams that they had of what their future would look like, their family would look like. Joseph was like, man, I'm done. Are you with me? But notice what the scripture says. <laughs> but while he thought about these things, come on, I'm talking about those moments and y'all know what I'm talking about. When you start to ponder which way you're going to go next. Whether to give this thing one more try or to quit now. Cut your losses. While he pondered these things. And I'm talking about your internal script. Your internal dialogue where you are telling yourself stories that may or may not be true about what you're going through. And you are making decisions based on your internal script. said he thought about these things. Notice, notice what the scripture says. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to your wife Mary, 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Can I say this? Most of us don't get to the point after our disappointment where we are open to what God has to say. No, 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 I'm going to sit in there for a second. Because there are many of us in this room right now who simply made decisions like Joseph did. Oh, I'm going to put her away. I ain't going to shame her, but this thing is over. The difference between Joseph and most of us is Joseph made room for God to continue to speak to him in his disappointment. And there are many of us that God has convicted and might even still be convicting about decisions you made in your disappointment that caused you to walk away from his purpose. I know it for a fact. By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. That there have been decisions that some have made that were the first half of that verse. I'm going to put her away. I'm done and left no room for the second half where Joseph listened to God in his disappointment. Why is that important? It's important because there's always purpose to your pain. Because God never wastes our pain. Where's the purpose in their pain? Notice verse 21 and 22. It says, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. This thing that's painful now. That's kind of put your dreams on hold. If you embrace this painful disruption. What will come out of it is Jesus who will save the world. Notice verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, the virgin shall have a child. What am I saying? God disrupted their plans, but there was purpose to it. Even though it was painful, God had something that he was going to produce out of that painful circumstance. So what is the lesson? I told you I'm going to give you all three lessons. Here's the the lesson from from Joseph, and I'm going to let you all go. That's the lesson from Joseph, that there is purpose to your pain because God never wastes our pain. There's purpose to my pain. Joseph recognized that, that if I don't put this girl away, and if I submit myself to what God is doing, even though my plans are no, listen to me, let me tell you what's going on in this story, for those of us who just read scripture and ignore it. If you go and read Luke chapter 1, the scripture says that Mary left her house. This is a pregnant teenager who left her house and lived with her cousin Elizabeth for six months. Listen to me. When you study scripture, it's not only about what the scripture says, but also what it doesn't say. Why would a young pregnant lady 
leave her mama's house and go stay with her cousin until the baby's born. Fill in the blanks. It wasn't easy. I'll go a step further. When they bring Jesus to offer him to the Lord and, and, and dedicate him to the Lord, the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph brought was turtle doves. Turtle doves were an alternative or an, uh, an alternate sacrifice that people brought if they couldn't afford a lamb. Sacrifices. The pain of suffering. Hope deferred when I'm doing God's will? And I can't even afford to offer you the right sacrifice and I'm doing your will? I'm doing your will and I can't even be under my mama's roof? Because she thought I did something wrong? Dishonorable? And I got to run and stay with my cousin for six months? Not under my mama's roof? Doing God's will? Oh, there's always purpose because God never wastes our pain. And out of this painful deferment of hope comes our Messiah. I'm talking about, listen to me, listen to me. Jesus grows up in Nazareth. And Nazareth's testimony was, can anything good come out of that place? Now, hold up, God. If I'm going to put aside my dreams, at least give me a five-star life. If I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah, hook a sister up. No, 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 no. Let me go a step further. There's purpose to your pain. After Herod hears that your baby's born, he decides he's going to kill every child two years old and younger to make sure he gets your child. And the only way you can save your child is to pack up the little that you have in, La in Nazareth and go to Egypt until Herod does. God, doing your will? I got to put up with this foolishness and mayhem doing your will? No, God never wastes our I'm talking about people who when God says, this is my will for your life. We immediately do the first half. Put them away. And we leave no room for God to speak to us. To say there is purpose beyond this painful moment. <sighs> okay, I'm going to let y'all go. Here's what we learned from Mary. <laughs> Here's what we learned from Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 6, one of our traditions uh, is every year Christmas time, Christmas day, before we open any presents, open any gifts, we read Luke chapter 1. Because Luke chapter 1 gives us a picture of what Mary was experiencing before she told Joseph, I'm pregnant. Luke chapter 1 tells us about this encounter she has with Gabriel. And Gabriel announces to Mary, a teenager, you're going to be the mother of Messiah. She's wrestling with a lot of questions. One of the questions is, how can this be? Seeing that I've never known a man. And then the angel responds and says, this is what he says. 
He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will be found to be with child. It's going to happen supernaturally. And this is what she says in response. She says, be it unto me according to your word. You know what she was saying? The lesson we learn from Mary is simply this. Faith rejoices in the promise of God. Even though we may not fully understand the plan of God. I want you all to hear that. Faith rejoices in the promise of God. Even though we may not fully understand the plan. For those of us who want every I dotted. Who want every T crossed. All she had was a promise. Even when she didn't fully understand the plan. For those of us who want God to give us the plan, lay it out, every detail, sometimes all he gives us is a promise that this child you will carry will do great things. And her response in faith was, be it unto me according to your word. That's what faith does. That's what hope does. It is a joyful, confident expectation that God will do what he promised. This is where I close. I close with lessons we learned from George Bailey. And this is about hope. And I think the Lord wants to help us with this because if we're not careful, uh, if we're not careful, we can miss what God wants to do in us and through us beyond this season of disappointment. And it comes to us all. It comes to us all. Beyond this season of disappointment. What does God want my posture, the posture of, can I continue to hope beyond this hard season? Can I continue to trust God beyond this disruption? Here it is. What do we learn from George Bailey? Life has its fair share of disappointments. Get better. Don't get bitter. Listen to me. Life has its fair share of disappointments. Get better. Don't get bitter. In fact, the scripture def- describes bitterness as a root. Uh, bitterness is something that can, over time, take root in our hearts. And those roots go deep, 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 deep. And the deeper we allow <laughs> the root to go, the harder it is to uproot. Because when you start to uproot that root of bitterness, it pulls a whole lot of stuff with it. Don't allow your disappointments. Don't allow hope deferred to make your heart sick. We've dealt with our fair share of disappointments. If we're honest, everybody in this room has dealt with their, let me rephrase that. 
we've all experienced disappointment. Not all of us have dealt with it. And how you deal with it will determine whether you get better as a result of it or bitter as a result of it. Because most of life can be boiled down to two words, pain management. And the people who experience abundant life, the life that Jesus promised, are not people who have not been wounded. Not people who have had uh, a perfect life. No, they're people who have learned not just to manage their pain, but to deal with it. Not just to manage their disappointment, but to confront it. And you get better as a result of it. So in 1967, and I promise you this is where I close. In 1967, there was a whole lot of social unrest in the U.S. in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, there was this young, idealistic generation of Americans, man, who were pushing back against authority and government, and they were questioning everything, and there were protests across campuses. Uh, 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 Dr. King had been assassinated. Uh, 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 the Kennedy brothers had been assassinated. The whole world was in turmoil. And there was this cultural shift where young people didn't trust authority, um, there was just all kind of stuff going on in the culture. In the midst of that, there was a young man at Harvard University who went on uh, to Oxford and the University of so Southern California, USC, uh, who felt that there was another way, another way to effect change. Not by protest and revolution and distrust. He said there's another way to deal with the pain that we're experiencing in our world and he authored what he called the paradoxical commandments. In fact, the paradoxical, paradoxical commandments became popular again because when Mother Teresa died, uh, they found that she had the paradoxical commandments posted in her orphanage in Calcutta. And so the children who came through an orphan, orphanage learned to live by these ten paradoxical commandments. Paradoxical meaning opposites, right? It, 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 you receive one thing, but you respond differently. Listen to me, listen to me. Who said uh, to every action there's an equal reaction? Who said that? Was that Newton? Was that Newton? It was. To every action, there's an equal reaction. Equal and opposite, right? I think God wants us to live that way. That if we're going to get better instead of bitter to every action, we ought to respond with an equal but opposite reaction. When somebody cuts you out, don't just respond with an equal reaction. Listen now, equal but. When life gives you lemons, you don't respond with more lemons. You respond with what? And don't just respond with lemonade. Build a lemonade stand. Profit off your pain. Some of y'all like that part. So did I say I was about to wrap up? Okay, so, 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 so here it is. Y'all ready for this? 
I'm talking about lessons we can learn from George Bailey. Get better, not bitter. The Paradoxical Commandments, Dr. Kent M. Keith, 1967. In fact, he revised all of this, and he's got a new book that he wrote that is sort of an updated, revised version of these Paradoxical Commandments called Do It Anyway. So here we go. Let's follow. I got it here, but I want to look at the screen. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you're going to get better, not bitter, when people are unreasonable and illogical and self-centered with you, love them anyway. Number two, <laughs> if you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. Equal, opposite reaction. When people question why you do what you do, and they say it's selfish. Don't stop doing good. And that's what most of us do. Ah, that's what most of us do. And we live by this thing of, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And what we end up doing is, we end up withholding the best part of who we are. And no one else gets to benefit from that. My wife and I call it the ex-boyfriend syndrome. You make the new boyfriend pay for what the last knucklehead did. And he ain't got nothing to do with what he did. So you dated somebody who accused you, uh, accused you of your motives, they were selfish, illogical, and you stopped doing good. And when you stop doing good, let me tell you what ended up happening. You get bitter, not better. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Y'all ready for this? Number three, number three. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. God loved you and believed in you long before anybody had an opinion of you. So I don't do it for my, my fans or my haters. I do it for an audience of one. Because when you succeed, you will win false friends and true enemies. Don't let that keep you from winning in life. Number four, the good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. That's why George Bailey, when he gave his brother his college, uh, uh, his, the uh, money to go to college that was for his trips, and, and he rescued his brother, and he, and he intervened so this woman wouldn't get poisoned, he never stopped doing good. Even though life continued to give him lemons all the way up to the end of his life, when he was about to do, lose his home, he was still doing good. That's how you keep from getting bitter. Don't stop doing good. Number five, honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Heesh. Be honest and frank anyway. Man, there's so much I want to say about that, but I got to let y'all go. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. That's I want to say some stuff right there. That's a whole message right there. Number six. 
The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. That's how you keep. Listen, a lot of times we shrink. We shrink so that we don't make other people uncomfortable. Think big anyway. Number seven, people favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. There's so much I can say about that too. Number eight, what you spend your years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. I'm talking about how you keep from getting bitter. How you continue to get better. That when people try to destroy what you built, don't let that keep you from building. Build anyway. Number nine, people really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Huh. That's a whole nother sermon right there. Yeah, 2023, yes, sir. People really need help. But they might attack you if you try to help them. Years ago, we watched the movie Cuba Gooden Jr. He was a dentist. We watched it with the kids. We went up to the North Pole. Snow dogs. And there was this really mean dog, right? And they didn't realize why the dog was so mean until they found out the dog had a toothache. And everyone who tried to touch. Isn't that the way we are? With our broken places? Don't touch that. If you've ever broken a bone, it's tender to the touch. And we protect it. Don't touch that. People try to help you, and when they go try to help you, Help people anyway. Ten, and finally, give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for those who just needed to be reminded of the hope that we have in you, I pray that this word would minister to them. That there is hope beyond the pain and the difficulty we might be experiencing now. Lord, you gave us that example in Joseph, in Mary. Would you do that in our own lives? That we won't throw in the towel prematurely, but in the midst of our pain, when we think we should put Mary away, that we would open our hearts once again to hear your voice. That you might instruct us on how we should deal with it. Father, teach us, as you taught Mary, that faith can rejoice in the promise even when we don't fully understand the plan. And Lord, I pray that you will teach us, even as you taught George Bailey, that life is full of disappointments, but we can use them to get better not bitter. Heal every wounded heart and restore hope, that joyful, confident expectation this Christmas that you will do in us and through us and for us everything you promised in Jesus' name.
in everyone's name. Amen and amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you stand with us? Pastor Wendy, why don't you pray for us and bless us out? Before you do that, remember, we're going to be back here at 5 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun for our new tradition, our tree lighting service. If you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you got nieces, nephews, if you got friends, we got free pictures with Santa, beat the long lines, beat the crowd. But beyond that, it's an opportunity for you to connect with your faith family. We're going to have crumble cookies. We're going to have mom and popcorn. We're going to have coffee, all that fun stuff. It's going to be a good time in the presence of the Lord and with other people that you love and cherish. Pastor Wendy, why don't you bless us up? All right, if you lift your hands right quick. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We look forward to you this evening. Have a fantabulous week. Yeah, God bless you. We'll see you tonight. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's message was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some materials to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you would like more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at echurchwearconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give by texting 77977 and send Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.